Welcome to No Gods, No Master Volumes, a podcast by two pedal nerds talking about pedals, sometimes with other pedal nerds. I'm Simon, I'm a record producer, musician, and I make pedal demos as Tunnel of Reverb. And I'm Guion, I run Holy Island Audio, a one-man effects operation from Cardiff in Wales. This episode, we're joined by Zach Sweeney of Malaise Forever, delivering knockout pedals since 2020. Malaise Forever is a one-man operation based in Ohio. You may know Zach from his fierce take on the percolator, Clubber Lang, or his collaboration with Noise Artist Gloomhead. His enclosures are unique and are lovingly destroyed by hand, with each looking like it survived a nuclear apocalypse. We talked to Zach about his processes and the company's history. Let's talk to the rage monster himself. Thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Like I was saying before, it's wonderful to put faces and voices to the names. Been chatting with you guys for a while now, so it's nice to do this. It's definitely one of the, like, for me anyway, it's been one of the fun parts is like talking to all these people that like I've been talking to for like years at this point. And actually yeah. like, you know, because obviously it's like hard to meet up even now, like even when I'm, since I moved here, it's still like, oh yeah, everything's real far apart in America. Yeah, so, sure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's nice to like put names and faces and. That's kind of an Instagram thing, though, isn't it? You just sort of get used to someone's username and so many people where I've met them in real life and I'm like, ah, I don't actually know your name. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is really <laughs> awkward. Dude, I've had that recently. Like, I play, like, it's kind of like turned into this fucking joke where, like, I'll, like, meet someone and they're like, oh, Ton of Reverb. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I just, it just makes me feel weird. Like, I mean, it's awesome. It's really awesome. But I'm always just like, I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, we recently did a, uh, a Petals and Pints event here uh, in Ohio in May. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, it was just a lot of people, you know, coming up and, and mentioning, you know, well, of course, calling me, you know, Malays Forever, which in and of itself is kind of a new thing, uh, you know, being at in-person events, you know, being yeah. that this all started um, at the, you know, very beginning of the pandemic. Um, yeah, in-person events are still completely new. So, like, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to, like, uh, present myself and, and handle that because, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a weird thing being known for what you're doing online. Yeah, and then I found I get to a point where I'm just like, I'll in, you know I'll introduce myself and I'll be like, "What's your username?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh, "Okay, yeah, we've talked about like whatever pedal at some point." <laughs> yeah, um, how was that? That was because Phil from Catbox was there too, right? Yeah, it was me, Phil from Catbox, Phil and Bill from Thimble Wasp, uh, John from Rare Buzzer, Zach from dead bug circuits other zach from zero g and uh dark earth devices yeah that was a lot of fun it was um it was a lot more uh bustling than we expected yeah met up with a lot of really cool people and yeah it was just a lot of fun being able to do an in-person event like that we really didn't know what to expect because uh you know stuff like that is not really all that commonplace in in columbus ohio yeah, it was just kind of really uncertain how the turnout was going to be. And it really blew up all of our minds. It was great. That's awesome. I'm like, it's, it feels great that these events are starting to pop up more. Like, mm. I feel like, like the Chase Bliss ones and the Old Blood ones, I feel like have kind of inspired people to get out and do them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's great to see it's, um, yeah, the whole landscape is shifting back to, you know, in-person things and, you know, it's, yeah, it's nice. There's a bit of a DIY feel to that sort of stuff as well, isn't there? Where it's... Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, I really love about it. You know, I, I, I come from the whole DIY scene, uh, you know, playing basement shows and, you know, pressing your own merch and, uh, stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's something that, you know, now that I'm, you know, a little bit older, I'm pushing 40 now and, you know, I've got a kid and a wife. So, you know, I've stepped away from a lot of that stuff. Um, and it's a great way to, to stay connected to what I felt was so important to me, you know, coming up as a young one. It definitely like, that's one of the things I love about, well, just like the, the whole pedal thing is just an extension of that to me as well. Like yeah. people trading stuff, people like, even like people like sending each other circuit boards is awesome. And just reminds me of like, you know, but for me, like burning CDs and sending them to people and yeah, it's yeah, it absolutely is. And yeah, I love doing that. I love, I love trades. I love, yeah, all of those uh, weird little ways of making connections, you know, while putting ourselves out there, it can be, it can be hard um, to, you know, put yourself out there to, to a certain extent, uh, you know, it leaves you vulnerable to, to the feedback. And, um, you know, it's just, it's great when you are able to connect with other like-minded people, um, who see what you're doing and appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Mm. When did you start doing Malays Forever? I know you mentioned like the pandemic, but where, what was like your start with building pedals? I started trying to build pedals in like 2016 and, um, it took a couple of years for me to be able to, to do it right. I, uh, I have this really stupid habit of trying to make things as like hard as I possibly can for myself. So like I tried to make an Acapulco gold clone through tag board effects, which I was actually listening to Evan's episode before uh, I got on here and uh, he mentioned them. But uh, for all you DIYers, if you're not aware of tag board effects, uh, the blog spot website you should definitely Google it. It's got Vero layouts of just so many circuits. And it was very instrumental to my uh, early building. I would get on there and try to build, you know, a fuzz or, you know, an overdrive or something like one a day. But anyway, I really started doing Malaise Forever April of 2020, like right after lockdown started here in the U.S., um, I was already planning to do Malays Forever and uh, everything just kind of coincided. Like I already had all the stuff to do the first run of Golden Guillotine and it arrived like right when uh, things started locking down. So that was completely by coincidence. But yeah, I really started getting gung-ho into Malays Forever right at the start of pandemic in 2020. I think I knew it was kind of like a recent-ish thing, but... I don't know, 2020 feels so long ago. I'm just like, oh, you've been doing this forever. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, oh, I mean, only- yeah. It's it's crazy to think that I've I've been doing this for three years now. It it feels like it's forever and simultaneously it feels like it just started. Yeah. I mean, like and you've had like a few quite a few things come out as well. And I think like I've played I think most of what you put out, it's just like I feel like you've always got something new and exciting in the like in the pipeline and that definitely you know it's like it feels like it's been a lot longer because of that as well or maybe 
Yeah, and I appreciate that. Um, that's actually something I've been feeling a little bit, uh, I guess, a certain way about because I know I've been teasing some other models for quite some time that haven't come out yet, and I'm still, you know, working on on getting those done. Um, so yeah, it has been a whirlwind. It's been kind of a frenzy of uh, building as much as I can think of and really running with it. It, it, yeah, it is crazy to think that it's only been three years. I have what, like I think seven models now. And yeah, that's definitely more than I would have ever expected when I started doing this. So it started with golden gear team. That was number one. Yeah. Yep. It did. And, uh, had a lot of, uh, help with that from Alec at a mask audio electronics. He, uh, did the layout and he and I talked about its development uh, while I was working on that and rightfully so with his hand in it um, it was um, it took off uh, way bigger than I had expected it to yeah the response to that circuit now I have the you know germanium version yeah. of that available with uh, a different op amp and you know the germanium diodes as opposed to the, the shot key and silicone um, combinations that are in the original one. But yeah, it's it's been unreal to think that the first thing that I designed, people have responded to it as well as they have. Mm. Where did the, like, the inception of that pedal come from? Like where, what, how did it start? Was it like from a tag board idea, like inspiration or? Yeah, kind of. It was like I was messing around with the Distortion Plus a lot. And, you know, I kind of wanted to tone control and I wanted to see what would happen if you put a boost circuit in front of that. Uh, if that was really kind of just a, a moot point uh, in terms of design or if it would actually unlock anything cool with it. So I ended, it ended up being a dual op amp thing where it's, you know, both stages of it are op amp based. Uh, so it's kind of a lot of the same flavor, but uh, different frequency responses. So uh, it really fills up in a nice way that is, I guess, you know, complimentary. Yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, there's, there's a reason that those sort of uh, early DOD circuits are so, um, what's the word, well explored, I guess. Like there is just this, there's endless sort of directions that you can take them in because yeah. they sort of start so simply. It's there's exactly not much going on. You can take it in any direction. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like the fuzz face or the harmonic percolator. There, you mm -hmm. know, there's a beauty and there's simplicity, and there's so much room to be explored within that. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's wonderful to get lost in. When did Clubber Lang get on the scene? Yeah, Clubber Lang was the third one. Um, so that came out uh, January of 2021. That's good memory. I'd never remember when I release anything. It's all just you know, a weird it's. Blur. My memory is very selective. Usually it's crap, but um, <laughs> for when it comes to that, I guess it's, uh, it's working. It's in there, yeah. Mine's right here. There we go. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, as soon as I said, I was like, oh, shit, I know where mine is. It's right on my desk. <laughs> Got the props to hand. <laughs> I was using it the other day. That's why it's right there. And that, that's had a few runs now since 2021. Oh, yeah. There's uh, over 225 of those out there yeah. in the world now yeah that's a that's a, a crazy chunk. number yeah mm. i yeah again like i said i i never would have expected to to break a hundred with with any model and um 
I think I've broken 200 with the Golden Guillotine as well. Are you still doing both versions of the Golden Guillotine or are you firmly in the GE camp now? Uh, you know, I'm always I'm always up for like if somebody wants to to order a um, a golden guillotine and they want the standard or the, you know the old version, um, then you know I'm always down to do that. But but as it is, I'm I'm very much in love with the sound of uh, the germanium and the new op amp in there. So that's kind of the standard version uh, for now. That's awesome. Do you want to maybe like? break down like the club alang a little bit for us because it has i did a demo of it i don't remember when last year maybe and yep. uh but i think it'd be cool to just go through a little bit of it like where the ideas came from and yeah so um it, it's funny uh clubber lane kind of came out uh opposite of what i was you know initially planning i i bread bordered a harmonic percolator and I initially wanted to make it, you know, just as nasty as possible. Um, and so I had a harmonic percolator on the board. And then I kind of had the same idea as the Golden Guillotine, where I wanted to put something in front of it. Because I feel like harmonic percolators stack so well mm -hmm. with other dirts, both before and after. But I was particularly a fan of putting it uh, after something uh in a cascading chain so i ended up putting um essentially what's a a, a zvex super hard on in front of it it's a mo dirty mosfet boost in front of that and um the interplay between the two gain stages is a lot of fun there's a lot of compression that can come with the um increased gain from the super hard on or if you dial that back a little bit and uh, let the percolator stage do its thing, um, it becomes really wide open and just uh, really full. And I took off the clipping diodes from the Clubber Lang, or from the uh, percolator stage, uh, and actually moved them to soft clipping diodes on the germanium just to kind of give that a little bit more warmth and, uh, you know, the thing that people love about harmonic percolators is that they spit out even order harmonics, which essentially just means that it's uh, really musical and just really great sounding tone. And when you put clipping diodes in there, you introduce odd order harmonics. And I felt like that, like I wanted to lean into the prettiness of it by the time I was done uh, developing it. Um, and so I took off those clipping diodes so it can uh stay open remove that squish and really just kind of sing the percolate is such an odd circuit anyway like you can it can really sort of uh like crumble in on itself when you push mm -hmm. it hard and then as soon as you dial back that input it's uh it's it's quite an odd um it's like an odd voicing really isn't it because it's, it's almost like ultra it's that way. Well, I mean, it is the clang thing, isn't it? It's the ultra. Yeah, clang. it's the clang and just the absolute strain of it. It just, mm -hmm. yeah, it sounds like it's really, it's really pushing with everything that it's got, uh, you know, to to get the notes out there. And yeah, that like it could collapse on itself at any time. Satisfying. I also like how you can like. Obviously, it goes real hard, but I I like dialing them back as well. Mm -hmm. Just getting that, like you say, just getting the the best out of the harmonics and 
I've kind of been surprised with like various percolators how I've used them on like basically clean guitar recordings and just just but with just the tiniest bit of percolator like whether it's like club lang or something else like I feel like people always think they're just like annihilation like yeah <laughs> percolator yeah. is for like annihilation but actually like it does that real nice sprinkle yeah, the subtleties yeah. yeah exactly and that's why yeah I feel like the clubber lang is like a perfect gap bridger for you know the people who love overdrive but aren't really sure about fuzz or people who like fuzz but feel like overdrive is just a little too tepid um mm-hmm. i feel like the club or lang is is right in the middle there there's a few of your pedals which are like uh sort of expanded versions of classic circuits is that is that sort of design approach uh is it is do you, do you go into that thinking i want to see what this sounds like or is it that you've got a predetermined sort of vision beforehand of a particular sound that you want to go for that really just kind of depends on on the model itself um most of the things that i've designed have been uh me chasing a certain sound a certain texture um you know things like that but particularly with the rage monster and iron fistula those two were just um solid takes on um yeah like you said classic circuits um you know i wanted to make a couple things that weren't necessarily you know the wildest you know most difficult to tame um kind of pedals and those kind of circuits the uh germanium treble booster and the uh jfet plexi style pedal those were always big staples in in my own rig and my own sounds and uh with those two i really just kind of wanted to pay tribute to that um just you know good solid pieces of kit that are slightly expanded but otherwise do the thing that you're expecting them to do i mean they've got everything that you've released seems to have like i'm just looking at the names now i've got them written up above me there is like i guess you'd call it a sort of uh an aggressive aesthetic running through the, the naming alone i think definitely yeah. has that sort of impression <laughs> so i mean i think people would expect there to be uh, a level of aggression to, to the sound that these boxes are making is that an intentional thing absolutely it is um that's you know that's the kind of music that I grew up playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you take a couple dirt pedals, you throw them on the floor, you turn them on and you hit your instrument as hard as you can. Um, yeah. and you know, that's, that's the, that was my approach to playing music, uh, my approach to owning and taking care of gear. And I really wanted to communicate that with, uh, with my pedals, you know, funnily enough, the idea of of painting and stamping them all myself was not originally part of the plan. Finding the aesthetic that I have has really been an awesome revelatory process, uh, I guess, because I didn't I didn't even realize that I you know was capable of of doing that kind of stuff. I've never been an artist. Um, it was just I needed to figure out a way to make my pedals look appealing. Uh, you know, back when I first started and had zero dollars as, you know, startup capital and just wanted to find a way to, to make my stuff stand out. And, um, through that, the process that I, that I have now was born. 
Well, I mean, it's. I feel like it's quite impressive how you, it, with recent releases uh, like the Iron Fistula, you've sort of, you've got uh, like external artists have become involved in the artwork, but it still looks, it's still uh, sort of applied in a way that makes it, it feels like it's coming from the same place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my drawing skills and stuff like that, they're just, they're not good. And <laughs> I just, so, I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to, to keep the process the way that I do it because the, the results um, are just so unique, but mm-hmm. you know, they can be replicated at the same time. It's just, it's a lot of fun. So I wanted to be able to work with different artists uh, but still be able to translate it into, you know, this medium with, mm-hmm. you know, this process and, and yeah, still have it look like, you know, my, my thing at the end of the day. Yeah. It, it definitely retains that. Uh, it's like an oddly apocalyptic feel, I think to, to most, it looks like it survived something, do you know, it's, um, yeah, you feel like you dig it out of the rubble and, Hell yeah. Chernobyl yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? You see that and you're like, damn, if it still works, that's build quality. <laughs> it's it's survived yeah, Chernobyl. Exactly. That's marketing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you know a Malaise Forever pedal like straight mm-hmm. away. Like you see it, you know it's you, which is awesome, you know. Yeah, and super you, distinct. I'm glad you touched on that because I was going to ask you about the art style and the paint. Like, what, what's your process for finishing the pedals now? So I start out with drilling. So I'll get them all as, you know, just bare aluminum boxes and I drill them up and I'll paint them as well as I can. Just use um, acrylic spray. And I, after I paint them as well as I can, I'll ruin them with um, oven cleaner and some other chemicals. Uh, sometimes I'll use like a toothbrush to, to get like a different texture out of it. Um, but after I'm done ruining it, um, then I'll kind of uh, put some clear coat on it to help preserve it. And then I stamp over top of that. I use, I use solvent-based ink, and um, I'll stamp that on top because I found that the solvent-based ink will run a lot if you try to stamp it and then hit it with clear coat. Even if you give it a couple days, it'll, it'll still do it. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's really my process in a nutshell. I've had a couple people ask me about that in my DMs, and I've been a little bit covetous, I guess, of, of it. But I'm realizing that, that I, should, I should share that process more. Um, if it's something that people are, are really digging and wanting to do for themselves, then that's awesome. And I would love to help. I mean, we can always get Simon to to beat Paul out if that makes. <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, I can everything you just said about. Oh yeah, about... <laughs> so much more mysterious. <laughs> I, yeah, I really like. For, I mean, I guess if anyone's listened to the other episodes, I love to fucking censor stuff. It's so funny. <laughs> I, I just think it's really funny. I don't know why. <laughs> it's nice to have hobbies. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean that's cool because they're all individual. Then it's kind of like again that's how you know it's a malaise pedal as well is because and knowing that someone's sat there and you know like you say gone out with oven cleaner made it individual it's every pedal is different that's awesome yeah and that's what i'm yeah i'm really hoping at the end of the day you know that that love for the process and you know on on all levels um Mm. really comes through 
um, in those. Because, yeah, I mean, just from designing the boards to to populating them with resistors and stuff, just every single step of it, you know, is immensely satisfying and fulfilling to me. And um, I really want that love to to come through with with every one of them. And it was something that I was actually getting away from for a little bit. I started to to have my enclosures uh, powdered and printed, mm-hmm. and they came out incredible. I absolutely loved it, but I found removing that process, you know, for me as the creator just really changed it in ways that I wasn't expecting. Um, and I really needed to get back to, to me doing, you know, all of the aspects of it again. I think that's fair. I mean, it kind of makes sense when it is such a, a, like a personal aesthetic to sort of outsource that could feel a bit strange, I guess, if, if, if you are painting them from the ground up and you're hand, uh, sort of abusing the cases beforehand, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I feel like giving that up uh, does could feel like a bit of a shame. Yeah, it, and I mean, you know, there's there are parts of it that you know, to to be frank, you know, I'd be happy to give up. You know, when I when I stamp the same enclosure twenty times and wipe it with uh, the solvent ink remover because I'm not getting it in quite the right yeah. place, I can't help but think that it'd be nice if it was if it was already printed. But I mean, yeah, at the end of it. Yeah, when it's all said and done and I actually get it right, it's just, it's so immensely satisfying. Oh, yeah. Well, we've touched on uh, sort of how you were working with other artists for the artwork on the Iron Fistula and stuff. We wanted to talk about the um, constant ache behind the eyes, the collaboration with uh, Sam of uh, Gloomhead. Yes. How did that come about? Uh, he and I just really, uh, you know, made a connection um, early on, like we were talking about earlier, uh, talking to the people through Instagram about, uh, you know, pedals and sounds and, and you know, musical interests. Uh, we really just kind of struck a chord with each other. And, uh, you know, we uh, just kind of got to talking about making um, just a really disgusting mids-focused fuzz um, something that he could use to, you know, really, uh, cut through the mix with, uh, different instruments and had enough, you know, c- control parameters to really shift, uh, the sound. And, um, it just kind of became an organic thing where I started developing this idea, uh, for the circuit. I took a bunch of different aspects of different fuzzes, like the, the Moss right fuzz, right. Um, mm-hmm the way that that uh the gain control is essentially a blend between two gain stages um i really like that and kind of use that as the ache control on uh the constant ache that goes between uh just like a two transistor fuzz face output and then if you sweep it all the way to the right um that circuit is also running into a complementary pair of pnp and NPN transistors to get kind of like an octave squelch out of it. But that, that just came organically from me um, making, I think, three different iterations of that circuit and just sending uh, prototype builds to him for, for notes. And, you know, we would do calls where we'd talk about um, what we thought was missing. And, um, yeah, eventually the constant ache behind the eyes as it is today was born 
So that was done completely remotely then, was it then? Yeah, he's he's all the way out in California and I'm here in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just, yeah, I would, I'd make revisions and we'd talk about it. I also, uh, built that out on a breadboard. So there were a couple of times where I would just, you know, do a live call with him and, and show him what I was working on. And then, yeah, once we would finalize it into, uh, the board design, uh, I'd build it out and I'd send it to him for, for any kind of input. Right. And how's the reception to it been like? It's, it's been really good. Um, you know, we wanted to make something that was reminiscent of a lot of different fuzzes, but at the same time, you know, stands out on its own. And um, yeah, I think we did that. And I think people were really enjoying it for what it is. Yeah, it's been great. The thing I really liked about it was how, like, I don't know, I, I think from what you said about Sam wanting something to use with different instruments and cutting through a mix, it really works on... Well, I've tried it on like a drum machine, guitar, bass, like synths, and it just like works on everything. It's like there's something for everybody in it. It's it's kind of an all around all round of fuzz pedal for me, at least. Yeah, and you actually you did a video, uh, a demo yes. of it, and yeah, you you ran through it with with pretty much everything that you could come across, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. It's great. It was one of those things like when I do those demos, I'll like kind of try it out on stuff and, you know, I'll try on guitar first and then depending on how I feel, I'll try out on other instruments. And with that, I was almost like looking for something that it wouldn't work with. (laughs) And I just like didn't find it. That's awesome. I'm glad that I could uh, step up to that challenge. (laughs) I used it on my board for a while as well. Um, As like a, I don't, I'm kind of bad with, like buffers or slow. I don't really pay attention to them. I just listen if something sounds good or bad after a buffer. But I feel like I had it at the end of my chain for a long time. And it just like that's interesting. Just as a explode everything sort of. Yeah, after reverb. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Makes sense. Just for like fucking everything up. And yeah, it's it awesome. I mean, yeah, it technically I'm I'm the same way. It technically doesn't like buffers, but I'm I'm the same way. I'm I'm not really I don't really prescribe to that all that much. Um, and yeah, I like putting it at the end as well. Um, part of what I like about that pedal is, like you said, it explodes everything. There are weird little noise artifacts in certain settings, and there are ways to dial them out. But there's there's a lot of really nasty territory to cover. And if you're yeah. going to run a buffer into it, then then fine. You know? Um that was also that pedal was a response i don't know if uh you guys recall this but last year in 2022 champion lecky um yeah. issued the end of days fuzz challenge where um and it was just you know for fun and a lot of pe- people uh, a lot of builders came up with um different explosive you know nasty fuzz sounds just you know in the name of of fun and um yeah it was really cool seeing all the stuff that that came out of that i know um spun loud did one i know zero g did one uh mask audio did one i'm not really sure who else if there are other people um that did end of days fuzz um models um love to hear about them but um yeah stuff like that is always incredibly fun within the community 
Yeah, I dropped the ball on that one. I did start putting stuff together and then uh, life just melted away around me. So, uh, yeah, that <laughs> happens sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the worst. But yeah, that's, I mean, that comes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. It's that same, uh, that DIY community uh, seems to uh, just constantly drive the industry, really, or at least our side of it. I guess once you get into uh, sort of the electroharmonics league, it's not necessarily yeah, as yeah. personal. But yeah, that, yeah, honestly, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised as to how much my experience being in you know like a little touring band um and stuff like that like 20 years ago doing stuff like that just how much that directly applied to um yeah to interactions and the way that we do business um yeah i was i was shocked and uh it's it's great i feel like i'm ending everything i say with and it's really nice But it's oh, yeah, it it is? Is nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're doing this podcast, is because it's nice. Can you put yeah, that in the bio? Nice. Yeah. yeah, I'll put that in the bio. <laughs> I'm, bleep, I'm gonna bleep that out and people can guess yeah, what bleep you think that of the out. <laughs> Sound like we've been insulted or something. I mean, I'm just reiterating what you said, but the the thing I love most about this is the community within the builders and the people that use them and it's just that direct contact that you kind of lose, like you say, with Maybe like, you know, I can't like DM boss and be like, oh, like, what's the idea behind that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, they just wouldn't reply. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's true. I don't, I don't know if I have many questions for boss at this point. Well, I'm sure you've spoken about this in the past, but the name Malays Forever, I'm assuming that's a Simpsons reference, right? You assume, yes, that is. That's a reference to the Simpsons. And there's, because ju- I've just noticed that there's sort of like, I mean, Club Alang is sort of, I'm going to go Rocky. Is that Rocky? This is like a yes. sort of yep. film TV references do creep yeah, in. Yeah, they kind of just kind of seep in um, to, to what I do. I can't help it. My brain almost exclusively deals in, in bad puns and uh, referential quotes, basically. Um, yeah, there's a couple other models that I'm currently working on that also have Simpsons references. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got like to get work- your niche. Yep. Working on a tremopoline, uh, which will be a tremolo. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. It, do you have a lot of stuff in the works at the minute, then? Is that... Yeah, I've always got things cooking at the same time. Like I said, um, I've mentioned them before in other podcasts and just in general, but... The Operator Dead post abandon, which is a germanium drive slash tremolo. Uh, I'm still working on that, as well as the lung splitter, which is a harmonic percolator into uh, an HM2 style gyrator EQ. Um, it also will have some some momentary uh, feedback oscillation fun. Nice. Uh, but with both of those, I'm kind of letting the the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, I really want to get those right um, with the operator dead post abandoned with it being a germanium overdrive as well. Um, I've kind of been caught up on um, adding a pickup simulator in the front to help oh, nice. with, yeah. uh, with uh, you know, chain order issues so it can go in the yeah. front or later. Um, so yeah, I, I, I move kind of slower than I did. Uh, with stuff that I'm developing, but um, 
But yeah, I've always got a few things on the back burner. Another thing that um, I found, uh, maybe I won't mention that. Never mind. Believe that. Secret. Uh, yeah, believe that. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you find it helps? Because obviously I do the same thing. Like I'm, I definitely am an oversharer and I try not to be, but it's just in my You blood. get so excited. I mean, you yeah, just you want to talk about it. it. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's no one really around here that I can go and prod to to ask for an opinion. So I, I do tend to rely on um, feedback through Instagram and stuff a lot, especially mm-hmm. with developing stuff. It, it's kind of a, an odd balance because I'm never sure if I should be ultra secretive about stuff. Yeah. If you're overplaying your hand or if you, yeah. I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, um, you know, that transparency is not only generally appreciated by people, but people feeling like they have um, you know, some level of, of input, um, Mm -hmm. and influence on the way something is, is being designed is it's going to be way more engaging and way more satisfying. And I think that that is, that that, I think that's a big way that, you know, I, for one, and, and you as well, uh, tend to really connect with, with our, our audience and, um, you know, show that we really value, that um they're paying attention to what we're doing oh of course yeah i mean yeah it it kind of gives them uh or gives people an audience i guess a sort of vested interest in the development and i guess you do uh, it does feel a bit like it belongs to everyone then when it finally comes out i feel like that's quite a satisfying um arc of uh delivery the the way that people have watched that spawning from the very beginning and they've seen snippets of it and uh because i get suggestions all the time like it does get relentless eventually i have to sort of tame it because at one point it's like well i can't actually do everything it's just not feasible but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting way to develop products that maybe bigger brands like boss wouldn't necessarily be able to have that sort of direct market research it's just not there do you know the it's so separate yeah. uh, i guess that's an advantage to to being a smaller builder or a smaller company is that you can have that direct interaction uh i think it's a positive thing yeah absolutely and i like to i think of it too um in a sense because you know something that i enjoyed as you know, a consumer before I started, you know, making them myself. But like, if, if you're going to take the time, you know, as a player to really dive down, you know, deeper into, into the gear world, you know, deeper than your bosses and your MXRs and and really look, uh, for, for, you know, the people that are pushing forward the innovation, uh, I feel like it's a great, uh, kind of reward system to, you know, let their, you know, their input be part of, of that design process. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. People also love insider information. They like feeling like they're part of it and behind this. I mean, I'm talking as someone who likes that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It feels like you're in the know, you know, something that other people, that other people don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also like from, I like seeing the process. That's just another reason like we started doing this is like to hear about how people get started doing this and, what the mm-hmm. ideas are and, and also like how people use pedals you know everyone uses things so differently it's kind of like watching like behind the music or something but just way nerdier <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and that's one of the things i love too um 
you know, me, I'm not personally, I'm not that versatile of a musician and I'm not really all that talented by way of content creation. Uh, so I like to trust that job to other people. And every time I do, you know, people come back with different applications of, you know, a pedal than what I would have ever thought to use it for. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself, uh, right there is, is, uh, you, you know, a huge, uh, payoff. Um, and it really opens your eyes to it and kind of tells you why you're doing it and pushes you forward. For sure. And like seeing, you know, seeing musicians using your, your product that you've like toiled over. <laughs> it's like, it must feel amazing. Like I, and I have this is you know, when I'm at shows or recording people and people are using pedals built by people I know. It just, even from like a third party feels awesome. It's just yeah, absolutely. cool to hear people creating with the product. I mean, it breaks that wall as well, doesn't it? Of awkwardness. I think, uh, weirdly, uh, the guitar pedal sort of world does tend to attract, um, what would be the nicest way to put it? Sort of more, more awkward people uh, than than average, or at least that's how I see myself. And as soon as someone's got gear that I can talk to them about, it uh, sort of breaks that down a little bit, makes it less strange. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, definitely for me, I know that playing music and being part of this world is, um, you know, completely necessary for me to be able to express myself in any meaningful way um and having other people that are equally if not more excited uh yeah. to engage in that um yeah really helps open you up in in ways that can otherwise be difficult definitely what's next on the horizon for malaise forever as it is i am just going to keep on you know doing what i'm doing and keep on making pedals. Well, one thing that I would love to do is get myself and get my pedals out there more in um, shops around the U.S. and really mm -hmm. around the world because, you know, like we were saying earlier, you know, people are getting back out there and being able to physically get your hands on something and play and demo it yourself uh, you know, before you make the investment is, you know, once again, rightfully making its return. Um, so I think the next big push will be to try to, to get uh, Malays Forever actually on some shelves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, other than that, I'm just going to keep on just diving into the weirdest stuff that I can find and trying to make it sound as nasty as I can. I'm coming out with some modulation stuff uh, like tremolo, mm -hmm. uh, based effects. And I did finally just get my hands on a stash of, uh, PT 2399. So nice. I can start messing around with delays. I've been mm -hmm. hesitant to, to dive into areas where, you know, at the time I didn't feel like I had anything personally unique to contribute. Like I could make a yeah. delay when I first, you know, got started, but it would just be, a clone of, you know, something that already exists. I didn't mm -hmm. have my own personal, uh, you know, flair to put onto it, but I'm uh, starting to step into that world now as well. That's Sweet. exciting. Mm. That's really exciting. And what's the best way for people to find you? 
Where, where's your main outlet? I'm most active on Instagram. Um, I like to keep things as as transparent as I can and as simple to access. Uh, but I'm on there, or you can contact me through malaysforever.com or just send me a direct email at malaysforevercustoms at gmail.com. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. Yeah. 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 Yeah.